I see attitudes of, of positivity and strength that are, are just overwhelming. And I want to thank them because I know that each day begins with a struggle and ends with a struggle and a prayer that a, a cure and a treatment will be, will be found quickly so that others do not live with ALS. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Connecting ALS. I'm Mike Stevenson and I'm joined by my co-host Jeremy Holden. Jeremy, I hope you are well. Yeah, doing great out here. Uh, things good in you? Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. We have a great conversation to share this week, but before we get into that, we also want to comment on the news that broke earlier in the week around top-line results from the phase three clinical trial of the drug Neuron. Yeah, Mike, some disappointing news uh, out of that clinical trial. A therapy failed to meet its primary and secondary endpoints. You know, clearly disappointing news and disappointment felt throughout the community, something that we, of course, share. We did see some promising data from the biomarker study that was going on in concert with that phase three clinical trial. So hopeful that that can help move the science forward. Just note that the ALS Association is in discussions with Brainstorm as they go through a deeper dive of the data and look forward to seeing what we can learn and how this can move the science forward. And, and Mike, you know, we talked this week with, with a leader in the fight to shore up funding for future research into ALS research, and it, and it occurs to me more important than ever that we think about uh, funding research going forward. Uh, we talked last week uh, the news that the Senate Appropriations Committee was recommending $40 million for research on ALS at the Defense Department. The fight continues, moves forward, and we're going to hear from a leading voice in that fight this week. That's right, Jeremy. We had uh, the good fortune to uh, speak with Alaskan Senator Lisa Murkowski about co-authoring the recently reintroduced Act for ALS bill, as well as the news that you just mentioned, the potential huge bump in federal funding for ALS research. It was a great conversation. We learned a lot from the senator. Let's listen back to that now. We are thrilled to be joined today by Senator Lisa Murkowski from the great state of Alaska. Senator, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today on Connecting ALS. It's good to be with you and all those who are following. So there are a few things we want to discuss with you today, chiefly among them, the recent legislation that you co-sponsored. But if you don't mind, can you start by telling us how you are connected to the fight against ALS and, and how you have become a champion uh, for the greater cause? Well, ALS came into my life and my family's life when my cousin, Pat Dwyer, was diagnosed with ALS. And Pat Dwyer, just to give you a little background about him, he was the, the, the quintessential Alaska fisherman. Anybody who has ever watched Deadliest Catch, you see those captains of those, those crab boats out in the Bering Sea rolling around. Um, you look at them and they're pretty tough guys. And sure. Pat Dwyer was one of those pretty tough guys. Fisherman his whole life, married my, my cousin who is from Ketchikan, Alaska. Pat and Jenny raised their family in, in Seattle, but um, spent most of their working days, weeks, months, and years in, in the waters uh, of Alaska. And we're a very close family. So when Pat was diagnosed with, with ALS, the first question was, what is it? We'd all heard of mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig's disease, but didn't really know what it was and really didn't understand that 
at at the time of Pat's diagnosis in in the mid 2000s, it was a death diagnosis because of course there's no known cure for for ALS. And so we as a family lived with Jenny and and her two their two kids through the course of of Pat's time. He he lived with ALS for eight years, and as we know statistically, that's uh, that's a pretty long time from diagnosis. But when I say we lived with the family, we lived with them through, through visits, through uh, social media, through phone calls, when it seemed that there, was, there were days when there was no hope and then following days where tomorrow's going to be d- the day, there's going to be a treatment, there's going to be a cure. But we were there with Jenny and the family through all of the battles that they had. In, in getting things as, as simple as, as an electric wheelchair for Pat so that he could move around and being told that, well, you can still walk when in fact what he could do was lift himself and walk two steps to go to the bathroom, but that was it. And that was, that was the agency's definition of walking. And so until such time, as you are no longer able to walk, we're not going to sign off on electric wheelchair, despite, despite the fact that every day was a day towards progression of further decline to his body. And so Jenny, who is an extraordinary, extraordinary woman, became an extraordinary advocate for her husband through all aspects of, of ALS, including lobbying in, in Congress for for initiatives. It was through Jenny that we first got started focusing on what we could do within the appropriations and specifically within DOD appropriations, recognizing that those who have served in our military are up to twice as likely to develop and die from ALS. And so my family was there throughout eight years of Pat's time with ALS, uh, we were there when he passed, and we have been there ever since as, as advocates to try to find a cure for this most deadly of diseases. Senator, you mentioned uh, the, that appropriations process, the uh, ALS research program over at the Defense Department, and big news this week is you know the Senate recommending uh, forty million dollars in funding for research at that ALS research program. Can you talk to us a little bit about the role that a research program like the DoD's ALS research program uh, funding at the NIH? Talk to us about the importance uh, of that type of research in the search for treatments and a cure. Well, for those who are living with ALS every day. You have to get up hoping that today is going to be the day that there is a cure, that there is a treatment, that we are one step closer. But that doesn't happen without resourcing, uh, without the attention of those who are, are working on the science, working towards a treatment, working towards a cure. And so very, very early on, uh, again, this is, this is now 15 years ago, I went out to the Johns Hopkins facility in, in Baltimore to see for myself the research that was being done on ALS at that time. And, and to kind of fast forward to where we are now with the levels of funding, whether through NIH or through DOD, we're, we're making some progress here. Specific to DOD, and I mentioned 
that studies through DOD and VA and NIH have, have found that our military, again, are, are up to twice as likely to develop and die from ALS as those with no history of military service, regardless of what branch they served in, where they served, or whether they served during peacetime or during wartime. So the focus was a natural focus within the DOD research program. And so when you think of how the Department of Defense through their medical research programs have made extraordinary strides, for instance, with, with breast cancer research and detection. Thought, boy, there is a nexus here that is so close. And so getting DOD focused on this was really a primary initiative. We first got funding in the DOD approps back in 2007, and it was a $5 million appropriation. And Boy, I can remember when we first got that in. It was it was big time because we had our foot in the door. We had we had folks within the Department of Defense who were were keyed in on on what needed to be done when it came to finding cures and therapies and and again that that nexus to our veterans. And so you you think about where where we were in 07 now to be looking at a, a funding level of a $40 million, pretty significant given that we doubled it from last year's APROPS funding of, of $20 million. But what, what we're able to do really is to target funding to the most promising preclinical research, but also providing some resources to fund early phase clinical trials. We, we, we all hear about this, this valley of death between promising preclinical research and human clinical trials. And so making sure that there is a path and a path that you, you don't get bogged down, you don't get held up, you don't just kind of wither away because you either don't have the, the, the funding or the focus. And so focusing on the Department of Defense and at the NIH specifically to target ALS has been a priority. Those of us that are very familiar with ALS know that it's been referred to in the category of orphan diseases, basically those disease groups where you just don't have enough people in the American population that are afflicted with and, and die of ALS to kind of generate that groundswell of support. You think about the, the, the focus on breast cancer, and boy, we all know when Breast Cancer Awareness Month is. We all have participated in wearing our pink ribbons. We're all focused on it, and so there are extraordinary resources that go towards that. But ALS has been, unfortunately, one of those awful diseases for which there is no cure where it has just been harder to get the resources. That's absolutely right. And Senator, uh, it's so clear your passion for fighting this disease. And thank you so much for being willing to uh, tell a story about your cousin. And I'm sure that must have been so difficult for your family. But hearing you talk about the importance of research and funding that research and the progress we're making, hopefully we're, we're building a world and a future where uh, other families will not have to experience ALS as a terminal illness. I would like to uh, talk to you a little bit about the Act for ALS bill, 
which was reintroduced into the House and the Senate in late October. You are the lead Republican original co-sponsor for that legislation. Can you tell us what you're most excited about in this bill and, and how uh, it can benefit the ALS community? Yeah, well, I, it is, it is a, it's a good bill. It's a strong bill, and I appreciate Senator Coons from Delaware working with me on this, as well as the other members of the ALS caucus. I think it's significant that we have a strong bipartisan group in the Senate as well as in the House that are keyed in on on what more we can do. So the the act for ALS bill is really written to benefit the whole ALS community. It's essentially a new framework for delivering these experimental therapies to to people with ALS, building on the, the FDA's expanded access program. There's also a new research program at the FDA for rare neurodegenerative diseases, which, which I think is an exciting part of this legislation. There's also a focus on coordinating federal efforts on, on developing and approving effective treatments and cures. But when you think about the clinical trials that are out there, ALS clinical trials do not always employ these access programs that facilitate access to experimental treatments outside of the trial itself. And this, is, this can be due to financial disincentives for a company to offer access to treatments outside of a, tr- of a, of a trial there. And so what we do within this legislation is we, we take on this financial barrier for therapies that are being tested from small biopharmaceutical companies by creating this grant program so that funds access to investigational ALS treatments to patients that are not participating in the clinical trials, that there's that you can have that. So what that means effectively is that patients that currently can't access these treatments have a new avenue to, to access treatments that are currently in a clinical trial phase. So it's, it's about expanding access to current therapeutics at the clinical uh, trial stage and also funding programs to accelerate the development and the approval of of the treatments. So there's a lot to be excited uh, about with this this legislation, the act for for ALS. And Senator, the bill, as Mike mentioned, introduced a couple weeks ago at the end of October. What are the next steps uh, in terms of getting that legislation enacted, you know, in, in, in the next couple of months or, or into next year? Where, where does Act for ALS go from here? Well, we need to continue to add more bipartisan co-sponsors. We will work on that. Uh, again, I serve on the HELP Committee, and I'm looking forward to, to building on the support that we have for that bill as we go through the committee process. I think it is important to recognize, it's, I'm probably stating the obvious here, but you know, we are in the, we're in the last few weeks of, of a legislative session, or actually of this Congress, and so I don't anticipate that there will be many hearings on specific bills within the HELP committee or really in any of the, the committees as we try to wrap up things like appropriations and, and end-of-year matters. But what we're doing is we are, we are lining this up for passage, and you can say that things are always possible in an end-of-year package, but perhaps more probable within the new Congress, which would require that we, we effectively reintroduce but again, if we have built the support up now, 
it makes it much easier to reintroduce with a broad list of bipartisan supporters early in the Congress, get that early in the queue for hearing, and really help push it to, uh, push it to quick conclusion. So the advocacy that comes from the ALS community across the country on this legislation and others is so important. Don't, don't think that just because we're coming to the end of the Congress that, okay, we don't need to be doing anything. We, we, we have to keep working together to, to make sure that this does not lose the momentum that it clearly has. Absolutely. And thank you for your leadership in that space. I know the eyes of the ALS community will be following that legislation closely and, you know, hoping that uh, we can move things forward. You mentioned, Senator, your involvement in the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Health policy, obviously, front and center throughout the year with our nation continuing to grapple with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the race for treatments and a vaccine. Can you talk a little bit about how that has change the perception of how drugs are developed and, and brought to market and how you see that potentially impacting this type of drug research in the long term? Absolutely, because that I think that is so so relevant to, to where we are today. We have seen through this COVID-19 pandemic the power of American innovation, and we have seen clearly demonstrated how we can accelerate the development as well as the approval of therapeutics when we prioritize them. You still have to have a robust FDA approval process. We all expect that. But boy, when you when you set a you set a goal, you set a priority and everybody's pushing towards it, it's extraordinary to see how American innovation plays out. You know, we are we're looking at a vaccine nearly 9 months after the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And so I think what this demonstrates, at least in my mind, is that we can do more to accelerate the development, the approval, and the delivery of new treatments and cures for other diseases like ALS. So I think that what we have seen, again, extraordinary uh, scientific research, extraordinary dedication that has been underway for nine months, literally 24-7, but the possibilities that lie ahead, I think, should be very encouraging. And I think that the Act for ALS Act creates a new framework that I think has the potential to achieve our, our shared goals much more quickly. So I know we can't, we can't prioritize everything as we have done with the vaccine for COVID-19, but I think, again, we, we have clearly demonstrated the strength and the power of, of what American innovation can do. Before we let Senator Murkowski go, we did ask her for any closing thoughts and reflections on the work that she does and that we all share in the fight against ALS. You know, and this is just more of a little bit of a, of a human interest, but, you know, I, I have described my direct involvement with ALS through my family, and I have come to know an ALS community that I just have to tell you is nothing short of extraordinary. I think I am invited to and try to attend every ALS gathering, advocacy gathering that they have here in Washington, D.C., and, and have done so in other parts of the country as well. And I, I have to tell you how inspired I am by those who are living with ALS, 
by those who are our partners in ALS, those caregivers that, again, are, are, are living with ALS every day as well. And we, we see the toll that this horrible, awful disease takes on all, not just those that, that are living with ALS, but, but the family and all who know and love these wonderful people. And I see attitudes of, of positivity and strength that are, are just overwhelming. And I want to thank them because I know that each day begins with a struggle and ends with a struggle and a prayer that a, a cure and a treatment will be, will be found uh, quickly so that others do not live with ALS. And I, 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 think about, I think about the small things that people do. My cousin and I, to this day, pitch corn toss. Uh, you know, I hate corn toss, but I participate in at least one corn toss tournament a year as a fundraiser for ALS. I, I lose miserably every year, but it's been extraordinary to me. Not only, not only the funds that we have raised that we feel like, okay, we're making a little a bit of a difference, but how we have helped raise the awareness in others who didn't really know much about the disease, but because I said, hey, we're having a corn toss tournament, you gotta, it, it'd be a really great thing, and it's for ALS. And, and then you get into the conversations about what is it? And why is it? And what more can be done? And, and from that, we, we are able to grow more advocates because they are aware and they're informed. And I think, about, I think about those small things that, again, my cousin Jenny continues with. Pat passed in 2013. And so for, for seven years now, Jenny has been, I guess I would say, free from that disease, but you're never free from it because you understand it. And every day she commits herself to, to working harder for that cure. And she was pretty exhausted after Pat passed. And the easiest thing for her to do would have been to say, I'm done with this. This is awful. And I never want to, uh, never want to have to go through this again. And yet she is there for every person and for those that she will never know. And I, I think about advocates like that, like Jenny and those in the broader ALS community. And I think Boy, the bare minimum we can do is make sure that we've got resources, we've got funding, we've got a better pathway to give that hope and opportunity. So just a big shout out to all the ALS advocates. We, like you, are inspired every day by the strength and determination of the ALS community. And knowing that there are legislators like you in our corner really gives those living with ALS and their families a lot of hope for a different kind of future. Thank you uh, again for your time today, Senator Murkowski, and for your leadership in the fight against ALS. The families we serve here at the ALS Association really appreciate your support. Thank you for all that you do. We'll, we'll look forward to getting our ALS Act passed. 
Wow, what a great conversation with Senator Lisa Murkowski, Republican of Alaska. I really can't thank her and her team enough for making that happen. A quick note, we did reach out to Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat of Delaware, who is another sponsor of the Act for ALS bill. Obviously, Mike, a lot going on in the halls of Congress these days. So Senator Coons did send his regrets, but hopeful that we can bring him on uh, in the early part of next year to talk about how public policy fights continue to move forward and look forward to having the senator on down the road. It really speaks to the importance of ALS advocacy and hats off to all of the incredible ALS advocates around the country that work so hard, that make the phone calls, that schedule the meetings, that write the letters and the emails. They're the ones uh, helping push these legislators into uh, driving this legislation forward. So really, really uh, important to continue doing that work. As always, remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen or at ConnectingALS.org. And be sure to drop us a review to help others discover the show as well. You can find us on social media at Facebook and Twitter. We are off next week for the holiday, so no new episode. But we do have big plans for giving Tuesday the following week. Jeremy, what should our listeners expect on Tuesday, December 1st? Yeah, Mike, uh, I'm really excited about this. They will not miss the opportunity to hear from you and me. Mike, you and I are going to be hosting a Facebook event at the ALS Association's Facebook page, bringing some great voices from the ALS community to our listeners and to our Facebook audience, giving Tuesday such an important time of year for philanthropic efforts. Important every year, certainly uh, no more so this year. And really looking forward to some of the conversations that we're going to be bringing. Uh, Mike, I don't want to give too much away, but you had the opportunity to talk to George Brett. Yeah, yeah. That was a great conversation. And, and as you mentioned, some excellent voices uh, on the docket. Every 90 minutes on Giving Tuesday, we're going to we're gonna bring you a new interview with an ALS uh, community influencer. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned for more details. We'll post those on social media. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota North. North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening. We'll connect with you again soon.